Well, good morning. It's good to be with you guys. I, uh, we, we're, uh, we just got back from Africa on Tuesday, so the African team I was a part of and got to see God do some big stuff. You know, one of the things that I take away from Africa was, is just the fact that God is big, and uh, as, soon as, you, as soon as you think you have him figured out, he just blows up, and, say, and, and all of a sudden you're like, yep, he was bigger than I thought before that. And so he continues to do big things and big things. Uh, by the way, I, my name is Pastor Doug. I'm the children's pastor here at Life Church. And uh, don't worry, Pastor Mark will be back next week. And so you'll get, you'll get him. Let, let's start off this service. Just, I didn't do this first service, but it feels right to do this now. Let's just pray for Pastor Mark for a second. Can we do that? And uh, how, how good is it that we, we pray for our pastor and uh, he's, he's appointed by God to, to lead and guide this flock. And, and uh, let's just get behind him and start raising up his arms, so to speak. Amen? Amen. Let's pray for him. Father, guys, thank you right now that, that you're, you're establishing Pastor Mark in, the, in we are, the calling that you've given him. Thank you, Father God, that, oh, thank you, Lord, that you're refreshing him now. You're giving him refreshing. And thank you, Lord, for the anointing of God increasing on his life. The, 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 his voice, he comes back with even more weight on his voice, and there's even more power in his words. Thank you, Lord, that as this time of refreshing takes place, that this body will stay united in his, in his absence and will gather around and, and begin to lift up his arms. Thank you, Father God, that you're calling us into a deep place with you. You're calling this church to go far in this valley, to reach the ends of this valley, to reach deep in this place. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Renewing the vision for him and renewing all the, all the strength in him. In Jesus' name, we pray for him right now. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's good to pray for our pastors. Amen. So, you know, when I was in, when I was in Africa, um, you know, one of, the, one of the guys who was with us, traveling with us, he was part of the African ministry team, uh, he, comes, he comes up to me, he says, he says Pastor Doug, what do you put in your beard to make it that color? And, <laughs> and I was like, like people actually dye their beard this color. Like, why would someone choose that? <laughs> no, I, I was telling him, no, it's in America, we've got quite the variety, quite the variety of different looks, and, and uh, he, he just couldn't believe it. And so, you know, he was looking at Pastor Bill and saw his beard. He's like, why is his beard black and yours is not? You'll have to ask God on that one. I couldn't tell you. So uh, it was. It was good. To, it's good to be back in America, man. We are so blessed here. You like if you've never been outside. If you've never been to a third world country, you have no idea. And and uh, my, my this is my third time being to a third world area. And you, each time you come back with a renewed appreciation and a renewed kind of just uh, frustration with people's complaining. And realize how big of whiners we are. We're, we're giant whiners and complainers about every, everything, about not having the nicest this or the newest this. And, uh, and they're li- they literally, like, we, we uh, went to Capstone, which is a primary school there, um, that um, we, we took with us a bunch of shoes, pairs of shoes, over 200 pairs of shoes, and they all got to wear shoes. And and then we asked them, how many of you for the first, and their, their primary school is basically three or four-year-old up until about fifth grade. And, uh, and we asked them, 
Uh, how many of you, is this your first time ever wearing a pair of shoes? And probably three quarters of the kids raised their hand. And so it's just an impoverished, this, we, do, we just don't real, really realize how good we have it. You know, seeing it on TV doesn't really do it justice. But when you're there, you can empathize and see the kind of life that they're in. And, and you would think, based on where we're from, that they're miserable and that uh, their life is so bad, but really you get to talk to them and they're full of joy and they're, they're willing to give you whatever they have. And they're, they're, so, they're the most giving, loving people that you'll ever encounter and they have nothing to give. And so it's, it's a humbling experience. And it's, it's just good for us to thank God. Man, we, we live in an amazing place and we really have no reason to complain, no reason to whine about anything. And uh, I, I know there's, there's the temptation because trying to keep up with the Joneses and, and everything. But man, the world is dying. The world is doing without. And man, we have it so good, so good. So um, just think about that next time you go to complain about something, about something not working, about first world problems. And, uh, and, and just think, man, there's somebody that has nothing that's... And so really, we, we shouldn't be complaining ever. Amen. 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 Well, there's something stirring inside of me, and I believe that this is God that's, that's, that has given me a message for us, and, uh, and he's really wanting us to go further. He's wanting us to, to be unchained, to take the shackles off, and run towards the calling that he's called us to do. And, uh, and I believe this message will help us get there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to knock some chains off. And, you know, God's called us to be unified. And Pastor Mark has talked about that recently in depth about being unified, about being of one mind, of one body. And, uh, and I believe this message kind of comes up right alongside that and will propel us to get closer, will propel, propel us to have one mind and be more unified. And so um, let's pray before we get started. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you, Father God, for your word, that your word goes forth and it produces fruit and it does not return to you void. It sets out exactly as it set out to accomplish. I thank you, Father God, that your spirit's in us. It's, he's working among us. He's doing mighty things, confirming words, confirming the words that you've sent out with signs and miracles and wonders and healings. And Father God, I thank you, Lord, that we raise our expectation of you today. Right now, in Jesus' name, we raise our expectation of you, and we begin to draw more from your Spirit, and we begin to learn and, and, and draw on the Holy Spirit as our teacher, that he begins to teach us through this. Thank you, Father God, that your Spirit is giving us the words to say, that your Spirit is giving us ears to hear that would be received with faith and mixed with faith upon reception. Thank you, Father God, that it's for the establishing of this body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, you know, I'm going to just get personal for a second. Thank God, not too personal. Um, and tell you a little bit about my life and uh, start with my childhood. Uh, my parents found God uh, when I was a kid. I was probably six or seven or so. And we started going to church, and it was a good church. It probably wasn't, it, it wasn't as good as this one, but it wasn't too far off. And, uh, and so, you know, going to church every single Sunday, um, like I said, my, my parents had found God. And, I, and I, I got saved shortly after that and gave my life to the Lord. Um, but then I began to realize that there were some things that were off inside of me. 
And one of those things that I began to notice after a while was the, was the fact of how different I was at church compared to how I was at school with, with my worldly friends who didn't know God. And um, I began to notice that, the, that this life that I was leading was almost like I was ashamed of who I was at church. I was ashamed of who I was on Sunday. Um, and I would live like everybody else the rest of the week. And, and then on Sunday, back in church, praising God, because that's what everybody did at church, and, and just found myself caught between two worlds. And as I grew older, teenage years, it got, it got worse. And I began to notice that, um, that a lot of my friends at church were having these experiences with God that were life-changing to them. And, you know, I could tell they were genuine. I could tell that they were changed by these experiences with God. But to me, it just seemed unreal. It didn't seem real to me. It just seemed distant. And, uh, and, and, and the, now looking back, I know that the difference was that they were all in, that they, that they weren't in two different spots at once. They weren't living a double life like I was living at the time. And so um, it, uh, it kind of peaked at the age of 18 where... Uh, I, I, I took up the opportunity to get offended. And uh, it seems like when you're living two lives, you know, what, what happened was I was just done. I was done living two lives. I was like, I either want to go in one ship or get in the other ship. And so I looked for an opportunity to bail. I looked for an opportunity to leave church, to leave that family. And uh, I got offended at my youth pastor at the time and uh, actually caught him in a lie and used that lie to, to, to say, oh, I can walk away from God, um, which that, that wasn't the same church that I grew up in. It was a different one that no longer exists. So, so not dissing on any church. But anyway, I took that as an opportunity to leave, and I told myself that I'm just stepping away from church. I'm going away from, from here because I'm tired of living this double life, and, and I told myself, I'm not, I'm not walking away from God. I'm just walking away from church. And, and that was a lie. And I, I lied to myself. And I was deceiving myself, saying that, that, um, that I, was, I was really staying with God. And then I began to notice that uh, I hadn't thought about God in a long time. And I hadn't thought about praying in a long time. And hadn't thought about reading the word. So it was, it was subtle. It was like a subtle just walking away from the things of God at the age of 18. And it took about three years um, to, to really completely ruin my life. And uh, which, which I'm, I'm kind of thankful that it was that fast. But man, it, it spiraled out of control in a hurry. Um, it me, ended up with me doing some horrible things and... and uh, you know, probably stuff I could have gone to jail for, that kind of stuff. And so anyway, that, that life that I was lead, leading, a double life of being one person Sunday and a different person the rest of the week is what led to that. It's what led to me saying, you know what, I'm just going to be done. And so I think there's this problem in the body of Christ today, churches in general, especially the United States, especially in America, where, where we think we're good by being saved, being here on a Sunday, being around believers, maybe even going to a life group. But we think we're good, but yet we have two lives. 
We have this other life that we are with our family maybe, uh, maybe extended family or people at work, and we're just, we're not the same person. And the, the warning there is you're only going to be able to stay in that place of being in two spots at once for so long. And you're eventually, it's going to fail. And so I began to, to see when I, was a, when I was a teenager that this, this Bible, this wasn't working for me. I, couldn't, I didn't get to see the things that I expected to see based on what was in the Word. And see, with God, He's not, a, he's not like a, a formula maker. He didn't make a bunch of formulas and say, okay, if you do all these things right, if you say this perfect prayer in this perfect sequence and do all these things, then you're going to have everything this Bible says you're going to have, and you're going to be able to do everything this Bible says you're going to do. It really doesn't work like that. He is a person and, uh, and he, ha- he desires relationship with us. So I, I, I struggled until I was 21, and God found me, and he pursued me, and, and his love was so relentless that he found me in my darkest time, in the middle of doing something that I know I shouldn't have been, in, in a time where I just cried out because I, I, I really got to a place where I despised myself. I was, I was unrecognizable to myself, and, uh, and it had taken only three years to get to that place. And so I cried out to God, and he met me right there, and, and he showed me that that's not who I was, that he began to tell me who I was, and, and I was literally up all night that first night I, I had that encounter with God at 21. I was up all night in my bed giggling. I'm not joking. I was laughing hysterically because I was free. I was, I, w- I was now realizing that, man, God loves me. And, and, it, and it's, not about, it's not about what I did. It's not about who I, who I thought I was. He just loved me for me. He just wanted me. And, and so it completely, from that night on, my life changed. And uh, it's never been, the since, um, never been the same since, and it never will be. Um, but he found me. And, and it started with... I was saved. I was going to heaven. I had read the Bible. I had prayed a little bit, but it wasn't enough. And, and I'm telling you, it's not enough. It's, it's just not enough. You know, in our society, we're very non-committal, right? You know, we, we can rent, we can test drive a car for 24 hours. We can literally take a car home and, and keep it in our garage overnight before we decide we want to buy it. We, we uh, like subscription services, but we want to make sure and try them out first. Maybe a 30-day trial. Maybe we get you know, a bunch of new emails and we keep doing 30-day trials in other people's names. And we're so noncommittal, we find loopholes to get around committing. And, and then just look at the way our society dates and does marriage, right? Like, like where do you think the dealerships got the idea for overnight test drive? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, moving along. But what, what, happens, what happens when we approach God in this way? What happens when we approach God in a non-committal way where we're just going to say, well, I'll try this out. I'm going to do the trial run. And, and the good thing about God is he's not expecting us to just give a, us to give him our life and us to just go in 100% without having an understanding of what we're doing, having an understanding of who he is. Because he said, 
taste and see that the Lord is good, right? And then in Romans 2, 4, it, it says that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So there's something that we saw from God's side that said, yeah, I want that. Yeah, I'm, 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 ready, I'm ready to have God. I'm ready to have, I'm ready to commit my life to this. But the question that I have is, what happens when we tasted and, and saw that he was good, that we, that we experienced his goodness, we repented, we got saved, we turned from our ways, but yet we still kind of want to be ourselves. We still kind of like our life. We don't really want to, you know, go all in. We're not ready to commit. What's the, what happens then? What happens in that point? Well, I can tell you from experience, you're going to fail. This will fail. This will fail for you. His promises to you, it'll just seem like they don't work. The relationship that you desire to have with him where you're hearing his voice, I can tell you this, it's just, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to hear him. You're not going to, you're going to struggle and you're going to wonder why. Because it's, it's, it's very easy to be self-deceived and think, hmm, I, I got, I'm okay. I'm, I'm doing better than, you know, I'm saved. I'm doing better than a lot of my friends are. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like out committing murder and, you know, robbing banks and stuff. And, and so you're, you'll, you'll have this thing where you're deceiving yourself, thinking you're okay, thinking you're okay. And, and a lot of it comes in the thought process like this. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna add some God to my life. I'm gonna add some God to my life. Or, or you know, maybe what I need is just to be in church on Sunday. Maybe I just need to go to church. And, you know, I, I heard it. I heard, I heard someone say this just recently. You know, I wanna, I'm, I wanna go to church. They weren't, they weren't going to church at the time, so it's none of you. Uh, but they said, they said, uh, you know, I want to go to church because I want my kids to be raised in church so that they'll have good morals, good values. And I thought, how, how, how could we miss it that bad? How can we, you know, and if that thought is what got you to your seat today, <coughs> no condemnation to you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're in this place. If it got you to, to, these, to where you're at, good. But I would be doing you a huge disservice and I wouldn't be loving you if I said, you can stay there. You can stay in that place of just being here for those reasons. Because with, with God, it doesn't work to add church to our life. We can't add church to our life. We have to be the church. I'm gonna say that again. We cannot add church to our life and expect things to work. We have to now be the church. Get the idea that church is just a place that you go to or it's just a community of people that are believers. You have to all of a sudden say, I am the church. I am the church. Because that's who you are. If you're a believer, if you're born again, that's who you are. That also means you're the body of Christ. You're his body. Think about it if someone else was your body for a second and they were just kind of doing whatever they wanted to do. Like, hey, come back. Foot's trying to go over here, do this. What are you doing? Come over here. And so that's how the majority of a body of Christ looks today, where 
on Sundays, it looks, looks similar to him, but in the rest of the week, it's, it looks like the world and does what the world does. And so what, what can we do? What, what does it take to, to make this work, to make life work, that where God is, we're experiencing him, that we're experiencing his life, we're experiencing miracles on a regular basis, we're experiencing hearing his voice consistently. What does it take? Well, if you're adding church to your life, it's, it's, I can tell you, you're, you'll, you're gonna, I, I wonder this, I wonder this, how long are you gonna be in those chairs? Meaning, how many, is it six months? Is it a year? Is it a couple years? Because eventually, you're gonna get tired of it. Eventually, you're gonna say, this just doesn't work. That stuff that that pastor preaches, Pastor Mark, Pastor Doug, those things that they say, man, they just don't work. I don't know what they're talking about. It doesn't work for me. You're right, it won't work for you. It doesn't work with one foot in the door of the church and in the body of Christ and in, in God's plan and the other foot out in the world doing whatever you wanted to do that you've been doing your whole life anyway. It's just not gonna work. It's, it, it's intended not to work. And God can't use that. He can't work with that. Amen. Amen. So unfortunately, a lot of people approach God this way. And so um, I'm here to say God wants us to be the church. He does not want us to just add the church. Um, We find with God that it's more than just surrendering everything. You know, if, if, if you could put it in a plain way, it would be this, that he wants us to completely die to the life that we had before. That he wants the old version of us completely, utterly crucified and dead. And so that's why I titled this message, God Wants to Kill You. And, uh, <laughs> but the, the reality is, he wants the old you to pass away. Did he not say that old things will pass away and behold, all things have become new? You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old you's dead. So if we try to live like that old person, we're just like a half dead dude walking around zombie trying to get things to work for us that are not going to work. They're not going, it's just not going to work. The, the zombie life will not do you what you want it to do. So, um, so with that being said, and you're probably wondering if I'm ever going to read a scripture, let's jump to Matthew 16. It's like, is this even in the Bible what he's talking about? What's going on? Matthew 16. And we'll start at verse 24. 1624. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, 
Jesus had this, this was from the very beginning, that it wasn't his, his disciples, those who were called to follow him, they had to lead, leave their old life. They had to completely, utterly say, well, I guess I'm done with that life now, and this is my new life, following Jesus. That's how we have to do it. That's, we, there is no other way. If, if we want to play half in the world, half in the life that I had before, and also be a Christian on the weekends, or maybe just Sunday, because Saturday, pff, that's definitely a world day. Uh, it's, we're, we're going to continue to stumble until we give up. And there will be a time where you give up. Which way are you going to go when you do? Because the way I went when I did it the first time at 18, I experienced hell for three years. It wasn't good. I, had, I got to taste what the world had to offer for three years. It, was, it ended with misery. It ended with pain. It ended with people getting hurt. It ended up with me, you know, basically getting rid of everything I had going for me up at that point. Stopped. Until God found me. Until all of a sudden my life turned around and it was changed forever. But when that happened and I, and I had that experience with God, it was like, I'm, th- he's really this good? God you're, God, you're really this good? I'm giving you everything I have. I'm giving you everything I have. Because he really is that good. I mean, did he not give you everything he had? Did he not commit everything that he had to you? Did he not place everything? Did he make his, he made his entire bet on you? He placed, he doesn't have a plan B when it comes to people uh, preaching the gospel or people getting saved. It's us. And if it's not us, it's no one. And so we have, you know, this world that we see spiraling out of control, right? We see, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to see the negativity by turning on the news and saying, man, this world's going down fast. And, and, I, and I wonder, when, when we get to heaven and we say, God, what was up with that? You see that Our world just going nuts and everyone going crazy? And I wonder what his response is gonna be. Because I bet it's something like this. Yeah, what were you doing? Like, he's gonna say, do you think it was the devil's fault? You think the devil had enough power to make the world do that? Did I, not, did I not tell you that greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world? So is it going to be our responsibility that this world going nuts, it's like, it's on us. Well, well what, what can I do? Be the church. We are called to be the church. What, what if, what if, 50% of, of, of the local body actually decided I'm giving it my all and I'm committing everything. What if 70%? What if 100%? You know, we want to be in one accord. We want to be unified. We know that, that we're called to be unified. Well, how can we be unified when there's people who are half here and they're half out there? How can there be unity in that? There just can't. So 
if we want to be unified, we want to say, yeah, we want to see God do great things. We want to see miracles. We want to see this valley saved. We want to see this world changed. We want to see the church start influencing the culture rather than the culture influencing the church. Then be the church. It's not, it's not complicated. It's simple. It's identity change. It's, it's a, well, I guess I'm done with this old life. I'm like really done with it. And I'm committing from this time forward that I am the church. Well, Pastor Doug, what about like, what about like free will? Or, or what about freedom? You know, we have freedom in Christ, right? You know, there's a scripture that where the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom, right? Well, why can't I just be free to be me? Well, you have the free choice to do whatever you want to do. You have freedom, but I'm talking about a higher calling, a higher way where I make the free choice to lay down my own will, to lay down my own freedom, to take up being a bondservant of Christ. A bondservant is someone who does it by choice. They're not forced to, they're not whipped. They say, uh, I'm gonna commit my life to you. I'm serving you from this day forward. Whatever you say goes. What I want really doesn't matter. I'm a bond servant. You know, this type of approach is how, how these things work. You know, you, if you were to ask me, what are you going to be doing in a year? What are you going to be doing in 10 years? What are you going to be doing in 20 years? It's pretty easy. I'm going to be, do, I'm going to be serving God. I'm going to be serving God. Why? Well, because I've just committed my life to it. I don't have a plan B. I don't have an escape route. I don't have a backup plan. This is all I have. And it's what I'm going to be doing until Jesus comes back or I take my last breath, one of the two. And then that's how this works. Then everything opens up to you. It works like that in marriage. I mean, you're going to have a really cruddy marriage if your marriage isn't the same way. If you haven't committed your life and say there's no plan B, there's no option of divorce, there's no way I'm getting out of this, I'm just going to be married to this person I've committed to them for, for the rest of my days, the end, that's it. Whatever comes my way, whatever hardships come, whatever that person does to me, I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to be committed. Then all of a sudden marriage thrives. Then all of a sudden marriage is heaven on earth. Likewise, if we want heaven on earth with God, we have to have the same commitment where we're not, ever, we're not ever given up. We're not ever going a different direction. But if you have one foot in and one foot out, you've already set yourself up for failure. You're not committed. It would, it would be like, hey, I'm, 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 wanna, I'm gonna pro- propose to you and let's get married, but I kind of have this other person on the side. And I, and I kind of like, like having both. So I'm going to kind of play, play both. Yeah, yeah, no, we're married. I'm committed to you on these days. <laughs> and we treat God that way. And we, we wonder why God is a jealous God. He, he desires for us to be all in. He needs us to be all in. Your family needs you to be all in. This valley needs you to be all in. You need you to be all in. it It will be failure for you. 
there, the, my words may even haunt you <laughs> when you have to have, when you come to that decision, like, man, this was coming. This was coming. I, I should have known. Now you know. Now jump all in with him. Jump all in with him. Because when you do, man, your life's going to take off. You're, you're, what, we, what you don't see is the other side of it, the life that you get. Because you think you have freedom being able to run around the, this world and do whatever you want. But really, that's bondage. True freedom is in his plan. It's in his will. That's where true freedom really is. And it's freedom from sin and sickness and disease and failure and things not working like they should and life that's so subpar that they can't tell the difference between you and your heathen neighbor. He desires for us to be all in with him. And he, and he wants to show us what, how, life, how good life can be. And life can really be that good. It can. So just cut the cord, cut the, cut the ties to the, to the side chick or the, or the side guy. <laughs> Tell them that you're done and say, I'm going all in with my, with my father. You know, Jesus had this figured out at a young age. You know, when he was... Uh, when he was 12, um, his parents took off and left him at, at the temple and uh, took him a couple of days to realize that they had lost Jesus. And uh, could you imagine that prayer? God, we lost your son, uh, but hopefully he's okay. He was in Jerusalem. They come back and they find him. Jesus, what are you doing? How come you didn't jump on board with us and go? And he says to him, didn't you know? I must be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. And that was his, that was his life's goal from very early on. He recognized, my life's not about me. It's just not about me. It's, for, it's to serve some other purpose, serve a higher purpose than for me. And so for you, that might look different than what Jesus did or what I do, but it, it, it could be it's time, to, it's time to give up the anger issue that you're dealing with. It's time to give up those issues that you know are holding you back, that are the old you. It's not the new recreated you. It's not the new creation. It's time to give those up. It could also look like this, that little, that little whisper inside when you see the person with a broken arm and, and, and all of a sudden, go pray for them. Go pray for them. I can't do that. I'll look like an idiot. You're the church. You're his body. That's Jesus sending a signal through the nervous system of his body to his hand saying, I'm here to heal the world. And he wants to use you. And if it doesn't work, it's, it's on him, not you. Because his word said it. Right? So who cares what you look like? You're his body. Right? Like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just the body of Jesus, so if I look dumb, it's, it's on him, it's not on me. I'm just going to do what the body, the, the, whatever signal comes from the nervous system, I'm just going to react and do whatever that is. And then, all of a sudden, things work, and you'll begin to see 
healings like you haven't seen. You'll begin to see miracles like you haven't seen before. You know, one, 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 of, the, uh, one of the symptoms of thinking of, uh, of being in, in the world and out of the world, of being in the church and in the body and out of the body, is you, you think of miracles as down the road. You think of all these things that God's going to do for you way down the road. But when you're in, I guess it's now. I guess it's now. Well, what if I don't have it all figured out? Perfect. You're, you can be used then. Because once you got it figured out, he can't use you anymore. Come on, I mean, I, I work with kids. And these kids get people healed. These kids see miracles. They see signs and wonders over there. They don't have it figured out. Or maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> but I know I don't. But it works for me. Why? Because I don't, I'm not relying on me figuring it out. I'm relying on him doing what he said he would do. And it's just that easy. It's simple. And so let's, let's, let's commit. Let's, let's see what it looks like with our body 100% all in, where the old guy is dead, hanging on the cross, and the new guy is the one living. You can't be offended when you're, when you're walking in the new man. You can't, you can't uh, start being, uh, getting division in the church if you're walking in the old man or if you're walking in the new man. That's the old man's job. It's cause division. Amen. Amen.